Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of Rebooting and today we have a very inspirational woman. She is an amazing filmmaker and thinker in the industry and is really passionate about getting women into STEM. I'd like to introduce Somi Ariane. Welcome Somi. Thanks for having me. Thanks Lisa. So how would your family describe what you did for a living? Because you do some really amazing things. Yeah, I, I, I was looking at your questions before uh, preparing. I was like, my family have no fucking idea what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, sorry, I swear there. I, I should have asked if it was okay. It's fine. <laughs> my, 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 my viewers are used you can to it. <laughs> beep it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, my, my, my family have no idea what I do. Uh, you know, I came to the UK in 2005, um, I studied political science and philosophy of science and technology. And, you know, uh, it was like political philosophy. You know, so it was like they didn't get why I was doing that. Um, and I'm not very close to my family. They are very traditional. You know, uh, I, I now support them mostly financially, but I'm not very close to them. Um, but uh, growing up in, in Tehran, my parents didn't really understand my ambitions and the things that I wanted to do. They didn't really support. Um, and actually, I was forced to marry my cousin when I was 17, <laughs> you know, so um, and then I uh, broke that off within a few weeks. I was like, I don't want to be doing this. And that broke the relationship between my, my parents and the family and, you know, so, so I kind of, I'm a little bit of an outcast, you know, uh, I don't really talk to any of my relatives. I only talk to my mom, um, but they have no idea what I do. So they, and they don't speak English. So they, they see my stuff on social media sometimes, but, but they don't really get it. So is it quite unusual then for a woman from Iran to go into this kind of work is that quite Absolutely. abnormal it's very abnormal just like uh, even so even when I was in Tehran um, I was working for United Nations and uh, European embassies in Tehran um, so when I was about 17 uh, you know at the same time as I was being forced to marry my cousin um, I had started working as a tour guide I taught myself English from an early age uh, but wow. by the time I was about 10, I started teaching myself English. And then by the time I was 14, I was only reading English books. And my mom said, I, I never forget this. She, she one day she cried because she was so upset with the way that I was so different. Right. And, and she said, I regret the day that you learned English. And um, yeah, uh, so because she felt like that, that completely changed me. Um, and uh, by the time I was 14, I started teaching English to other kids at school, um, who, you know, because I was ahead of the school schedule. Um, and uh, by the time I was uh, 17, I started working as a tour guide for European embassies. Uh, yeah, and, and like embassy VIP tours. And then when I was 19, I got a job offer in the Dutch embassy. And then by the time I was 22 or so, I got a job at United Nations, but all of that meant that I was earning dollars. So I started earning dollars since I was 17. Um, so I, by the time I was 19, I was earning four times as both my parents did after like 20 years. Um, so, so that gave me a lot of confidence to be able to say, you know what, I'm gonna do my own thing, what I wanna do. 
Um, and uh, that really upset them. Um, so yeah, so super, super unusual. And then when I came here um, to the UK, I came to the UK, I have no family in the UK. I literally came, arrived in Edinburgh, <laughs> you know, uh, and uh, studied in Scotland, studied in St. Andrews University, got two master's degrees. I was doing a PhD. I didn't have enough money to pay for the last year. So I had to hand in my thesis, get, get an MPhil. That's why I ended up with two masters. Um, and paid for my own education. You know, like I had absolutely no support whatsoever from my parents. Um, wow. Yeah, they don't get anything. And I didn't know anyone in the UK when I arrived. I had no, no network, no family, nothing. That's just incredible. Don't. I can't believe that what you've achieved is amazing if you had come from the UK and had come from you know a well-off family and had loads of opportunity I'd still be sitting here saying what you've achieved is amazing and then given that you've come and had the journey that you've had and faced quite a lot of barriers and challenges along the way that realistically it would have been easier for you in many of those situations just to go okay I'm just going to comply and do what you want me to do and you and you haven't done that and that's absolutely just amazing it's yeah incredible. and I had so many opportunities of you know like ex-boyfriends or whatever that have been extremely well off and and I could you know just chill and say okay I'm gonna continue you know I, I basically I have a, a nice life you know I don't have to be as um uh, we have a saying in Persian that's somebody that's like me they say that the person has got um pepper in their ass <laughs> like, they <can't> sit. <laughs> like they can't sit down like they like you know they, they just you just can't sit down like they're always trying to do something you know different no matter how much life might want to give them a break they still don't want to take it and they just want to keep continue to go uh, and keep uh, and um and that was the, the case for me i was like i have a dream and I want to fulfill that dream, you know, and my dream is to see, you know, when I look at the, the top 10 companies that are running the world, five in China, five in the US, right? As in the, in the, in the US, we have Apple, Amazon, you know, Facebook, Google, Microsoft. And in China, we have Alibaba, Baidu, Xiaomi, Huawei, you know, and Tencent. Um, it's these 10 companies are running the world, right? They are like, they're, determining the future of humanity and there's not a single one of them that is founded and run by a woman you know it's not good enough for me that okay the ceo of yahoo is uh, a female that's different from first of all yahoo is nowhere near now you know where these companies are and secondly it's not founded i want women to found you know to to actually create these companies so that it's so, so that it's a female perspective from the start and i think that at the moment the way it is like if you take mark zuckerberg say you know what you, you need to have a break let's have a, a female there that's not good enough because because the system's still male right yeah. but what we need is is 10 equivalent of these companies to be driven by women to be you know founded and and uh, run by women and and um, it's not it's no small ask you know but it's like when you look at the top you know 100 wealthiest people in the world or the top 10 you know uh, wealthiest people in the world, it's like it's always men and and mm -hmm. women need to have power and money to change that game to yeah. change that uh, to, to to change the 
the dynamics of these systems so that we have I think a more there's a big difference for me between a woman being put on a panel or a film or a documentary or in a company or in some capacity to tick the equality box and someone being put there because actually you see them as bringing value because I've been put on panels at conferences where I'm very conscious that I'm only really there because I'm a woman and everybody else is a male and it looks bad. Um, and that's not the same, you know, yes, technically that's a bit better, that's a bit further towards equality, but it's not the same as having someone there because you think, wow, this woman brings something to the table that we can use mm -hmm. in this discussion as an equal. And I don't know how we get there because I think, and I, I've watched some of your interviews for your podcast, uh, which I'll link to in the description of this. Um, and I just it just strikes me that we're sort of paying lip service to it more than we're actually kind of doing it because it's the right thing to do. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So I would say the answer to that is I completely agree with you. But if we say no to those opportunities, we are shooting ourselves mm -hmm. um, in the foot. So we do need to take those opportunities and, and prove that we are, you know, like uh, there's been times where I've been on a panel um, with four other guys. Uh, so I was the only woman and I dominated the panel so much <laughs> that all the questions like people answered you know they, they people raised their their hand and they were like uh, I have a question for Somi and I, like, uh, I have a question for Somi and I felt like you know and I, I I took it and I was like yeah because I felt that I had done my homework and I you know I, I think I had uh, because look I, I read about 70 books a year so that's more than one a week you know, wow. I, I listen, <laughs> listen, like I, I literally wake up in the morning as I'm, you know, just brushing my teeth, you know, tidying up, whatever I do in between stuff, I'm always listening to an audiobook. And um, in addition to that, you know, I, uh, every, um, every Saturday, I spend about two hours because, you know, the new economist comes out, you know, at the end of the week. So I listen to the to all the economist articles and at nighttime I'm going to bed. I'm reading Wall Street Journal, you know, I, like so I I'm I, I know that I have such a broad understanding uh, that I can bring together these bits of you know pieces of the puzzle together in a way that I, I can sit on that panel confident that I'm probably most well-read than mm. you know, anybody else that's there. I know whatever they say, I have such a deep perspective, broad and deep. I always tell people you know, that you know, it's not just about, I say, don't be a headline reader, be a deep diver. Because if you don't dive deep, so what we need is to be women. We need women to be multidisciplined and we need them to really look deeply and, and see the connections. Was, you know, growing up, I always used to observe how women were in a, in, a, um, in a couple, for example, you know. So most of the time, the views held by the woman were, were an echo of the man. So it's, so say, for example, if I was in, um, uh, in the embassy, you know, most of the wives of the diplomats, they held the same views as their husbands, you know. And, and, I, and I was like, I wish you had your own opinion. I wish you had taken the time to, uh, you know, to read and, and understand and, um, you know, analyze things for yourself because, because you're literally just copying what your husband says, um, you know, and 
uh, that's the that's that's kind of like the point that I'm trying to make here is we need women to have such a deep understanding and such a broad level of knowledge that when they sit on those panels, you know, and, and it does intimidate people, you know, like it's been, there's been times where I have felt that from the viewpoint of the, uh, the organizer, they probably thought, I wish I hadn't put her there because, you know, because, because it's like all the other four guys are like sitting there like looking at you and I'm like um I don't care if I you know if I don't get invited back and I probably will but you know even if I don't get invited back I I need to be myself and I have that broad you know perspective so so really the the um that's the way we are going to battle this issue of tick box because if women come in and they have a strong viewpoint they have you know and it comes from a real place of knowledge. Yeah. Then, then that's going to change the perspective, you know, and and the, and the dynamics. Yeah, and I think this kind of brings us in nicely to a video that I saw that you did on YouTube, which was about reinventing yourself. And I kind of wanted to ask, why do you think it's important that we do that? Because I think the term reinvent yourself can sometimes cause a little bit of friction amongst people. They feel like that maybe is a negative term. Um, but actually it's just sort of development, isn't it? And maturing and changing who you are in reflection to where you are in your life. But why do you think it's important that we are able to do that and we learn how to do that? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that reinventing yourself is something you need to be doing every day. You know, that's the way I see it. It's the way I see it, you know, I'm as a philosopher, I'm, I'm a Nietzsche and I, I was highly influenced by Nietzsche and, um, He's got this concept of self-overcoming, which I love. It's like, you know, every day you can be better. You know, you can, it's, it's like, it's that sense of, it's, it's reinventing yourself. It's no different from self-improvement. You know, that's what it is. It's like being um, open-minded enough to say, you know what, all of my beliefs that I held until yesterday, they may be shattered in just one sentence that I may read in a book that may change that you know to, to that is ha having that level of openness and you know uh, to say that I'm willing to have such an open mind you know I'm willing to embrace whether it's like technology whether it's science you know new forms of knowledge that you may gain and most of the time it all comes together it's like you know it it's almost like I, no piece of knowledge, unless you believe that the earth is flat, you know, no piece of knowledge that is scientifically proven, it's to some degree at least. So let's say, for example, let's take the, the example of quantum physics and, and classical physics, right? So they are at odds with each other, but mm. it doesn't necessarily mean that any of them are wrong. It's more that they have, it's, it's about perspective, from which perspective you're looking at it. Are you looking at it from the perspective of the, the, the small phenomena or, or the big phenomena? And, and you know, then you have the ability to bring that together. So, so reinventing yourself is a little bit like that. You know, it's about having the ability to kind of look small and look big and then constantly shift your position in the world depending on the place that you are in, you know, and to be able to, I always give this example. And in my book, I gave an example. I said, look, 
self-improvement and reinventing yourself. It's a little bit like if you think about, if you have a ball, like a tennis ball, right? And then you have um, a, think about a hard surface, like, like a, a floor. So if you hit that um, tennis ball really hard, it goes up really high, right? Yeah. Now the, the, the um, proportion of the kind of ball that's in your hand and the uh, hardness of the surface, they are, so what reinventing yourself is, is having the ability to change, um, you know, because you think about you are the ball, right? And it's to, to change your, the softness or the hardness of that ball in respect to the place that you are. For example, if you're in a muddy environment, right? If you think about you're in a swamp, what you wanna be, you want to be a very soft ball. You know, you want to be a, a like a, like almost like a foam, right? Because then when you sit on the surface, you're not gonna swamp, you're not gonna um, uh, be dragged in, right? So, so depending on where you are, and so, for example, when I was in Tehran, uh, you know, that's like the great example of a swamp. You know? So I had to have that flexibility. And then what happens is that, okay, I came to the West and the, the, the ground changed. So mm -hmm. reinventing myself is having the ability to change the softness or the hardness of that, the kind of ball you are that's hitting the ground. Does that make sense? So I, yeah. I hope that uh, this is probably the best way I can explain it with an analogy is reinventing yourself. You're always, every day you're reinventing yourself. When you're going into, you know, a, um, a, a say a meeting, a, a panel, like what I said, you may need to reinvent yourself immediately to, to right. see how, how to um, present yourself there, how to connect with people there in a way that as much as possible that you don't alienate people, but at the same time, make a decision to say it may well be that I may alienate alienate some people you know right like what is what what does what matters to me most is mm -hmm. if if what matters to me most is is being authentic and you know it, it's uh it's just like that's that's what reinventing yourself is it's like and being I guess, able to have that ability and I guess it's kind of like situational as well isn't it because as you said in the panel you might want to come across as really well read maybe a bit feisty maybe a bit you know maybe not argumentative but definitely a strong personality but if you did that in a dinner party people would think you were the most horrible person ever if you were exactly. loud and you know you weren't sort of being friendly and building rapport so I guess it's like being able to read the situation as well and work exactly. out the best version of you for that situation in order to excel exactly. which I guess brings us into our, your phenomenal documentary which I loved uh, which we have to just touch upon because it was it was just so it, it reminded me of the situation with Kodak many 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 years ago yeah where they didn't move quick enough they, they ignored the signs and as a result it all went you know catastrophically wrong for them essentially um so can I just ask what was the sort of impetus for you for, to make that documentary what drew you to that topic yeah um so when I started my own business in 2015 now um I couldn't start a business until 2015 because I wasn't a Brit British citizen until then so it took me about 11 years to become a British citizen wow. then when I started my own company I was like okay um how can I uh, attract clients right mm -hmm. and what I didn't want to do was what everybody else does which is like 
creating promotional videos or a lot of people you know in marketing they just want to teach people <clears throat> you know about how to create content and, and that's I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that and I've done some of that but but I wanted to do something really different to stand out and um, I thought okay the best way to do this is to figure out what is the main pain that my target audience has so who's my target audience is the marketing directors of large corporations right so what is their biggest pain? So I started to pay attention to their pain, to listen to what is their biggest problem. And uh, at the time, one of the things that came to my attention was that digital transformation and the, and the whole millennial um, you know, the consumer behavior was one of their biggest pains because they were, all of these companies were really struggling to remain relevant. And, and the Kodak story that you gave, it's so important because I remember, I actually talked about it in my book, um, the, the com comparison between Kodak and Instagram that, you know, by the time Instagram sold to Facebook for 1 billion, they had only 13 people, whereas Kodak with 145,000 people, um, you know, they went, uh, that, that, that's exactly the time when they uh, filed for bankruptcy. So this goes to show it, it really doesn't matter how big you are, how, you know, what a giant behemoth you might be, mm -hmm. it, it, you know, or how old you are, you know, and, and a lot of these companies were simply saying, look, we've been here since, um, you know, uh, for 150 years or 100 years, you know, we've, we've weathered the uh, world war so um you know this is fine we are gonna we're gonna get through this and i told them you won't and i said that the the big uh, basically the impact of digital transformation is bigger than world war and they laughed at me because i was like because the world war was a physical thing this is a mental thing you know it's like a mental shift in the uh attributes of your actual consumers right and and you need to shift and and adapt to that uh, you know shift of behavior and and mentality and if you can't do that then it's much worse than the world war and yeah. and honestly and it was like you know it's going to put you out of business you know you think about a lot of big corporations like uh, heritage brands you know um, like john lewis house of fraser you know, Debenhams, right, um, uh, Marks and Spencers, you know, how many of these huge companies, you know, there are even in the luxury sector, for example, Baldi is like a, um, a home jewels company, Italy, Italian, they've been around for 130 years, they just filed for bankruptcy um, after COVID. And, uh, you know, I've, I went to their offices and gave them a strategy session, but it, it, that was way before, and then they didn't act upon it. So it's kind of like, all of these one by one, I can see these companies and, you know, going out of business because yeah. um, they are not adapting. So I made that documentary, which really made a big impact. And I, I interviewed people from The Economist, Jaguar Land Rover, Bentley, you know, Marie Claire, the lady from Marie Claire, the, the managing director of Marie Claire, Justine, who is now a very good friend of mine. She, it was almost prophetic because she, what she said she was like, it's coming like a tsunami, you know, it's coming like a tsunami. And within a few months, Marie Claire uh, closed down their print magazine, and now they only have a limited online presence. So, it, it, uh, and, and then she retired as well. And, and it just goes to show, it's like, 
a lot of those companies could already see it coming and yeah. you know and some of them said you know this is a, something very telling i interviewed about 40 ma- uh, marketing directors and managing directors of companies that some of them that i'm not going to name now but some of them are like really big heritage uk brands that i decided not to use their interviews because when i did the interview they um i felt that it wasn't giving enough value because they didn't get what was coming down the line. So I went all the way down. I got the permission. I interviewed, you know, some of these are like really big heritage brands that are associating with the royal family, etc. You know, and uh, I decided not to use their their um, their interview at all. So I did 14 interviews. I only used 12 of them because I wanted to use the most thought-provoking pieces. So the, the documentary cost me from start to finish, from producing to distributing, putting it through you know, um, uh, festivals, film festivals, uh, it cost me about $100,000 to produce it and it, over uh, a year and a half. And I completely self-funded it. Wow. Um, but that's the level of, and then when people come to me and say, oh, I want to do something like that. I want to make that kind of, impact and when I tell them how much I spent and I was like look I spend this much with me being the producer director so you want to pay me to create something like that for you so you need to be willing to spend some money because it does take a lot of you know work to do that and at the impact was amazing and then at the back of that I got a book deal I was um, you know uh, chosen as a LinkedIn top voice three years in a row it brought us so much business it's like it's still creating uh, so much um, impact it's still like one of the biggest achievements that I've had and I I think my next step is to create something like that about women in business and technology I want to do something like that yeah I think that will be awesome and I think you're right I think that's kind of uh, one of the things that I am quite aware of and it happens a lot in the tech industry I'm not sure how if it happens the same amount in other industries that you've worked with is that what tends to happen is we get into this cycle of just sort of almost repeating textbook phrases. So they are, oh, we need to do that this way and this way and, and nothing's new, nothing's controversial, nothing makes you think, oh, you know, we need to think about this or how are we going to, maybe there's not an answer. Maybe it's a case that, you know, we just don't have the answer right now. And I think in the tech sector, in the cyber sector, people find that so uncomfortable that they just repeat the same beige discussion in blogs in vlogs in whatever medium you use so I think what you're saying is really important because one thing that struck me about when I watched it was that I had it actually left me with so many more questions than answers and actually I think that's what's great about it because yeah that's what makes you go and think I need to read up more about this I need to find out what why this is the case and and what we should do about it um and I think that kind of links back sort of full circle really to what we were talking about at the beginning which is how do we get a situation where we get young people wanting young women predominantly wanting to go into stem how do we sell it in a way that actually looks appealing to them because right now the strategies we are employing are just not working because the numbers are not good enough no yes so actually, this is very interesting. Um, and one of the things, like you said, about we are not making statements that are controversial enough that are making us think. We are just repeating. 
when I look at our um, March conference, uh, the speakers, you know, the, um, so we have these, uh, for, for people who may not know, I run this uh, quarterly conference series um, under the, you know, we call it loosely, the think tank for women in business and technology uh, based on the new platform I'm building. And uh, we've had 148 people who have submitted um, uh, to speak at the conference, submitted proposal to speak at the conference. And I would say maybe only 10 to 20, maximum 20% of them are fresh ideas. You know, most of them are just repeating what we all know. And we, everybody, this is what I love. Everybody says, we need more women in business and technology. Yes, I know that we need, <laughs> right? Tell me something we don't know, which is how do we make that happen, right? You know? And um, one of the things that I uh, mentioned to, and I'm gonna talk about this more, uh, you know, we had a, a session, we have now weekly sessions where I, I discuss these things with, with the members. And I said to them, look, everybody was saying, yeah, we need this to happen. We need more, we need diversity. I said, look, the problem is that all of the women who are heads of diversity are not actually coders, <laughs> you know? Like, like, I don't like the fact that every time, as long as, you know, you are a, a female woman of color, you're suddenly, you know, diversity lead, head of diversity, but, but, you're, but you're not actually an engineer. You're not actually a coder. So you can't, you can't be in that position. I think, to be honest, I really dislike this. Um, I, I mean, look, speaking of something controversial, I know I'm gonna upset some people, but I, I really hope people see where this is coming from. And, and please don't be angry with me, but <laughs> I really dislike, I really dislike the head of diversity title mm. because I think it's not doing us a favor. Because, you know, what we need instead is um, women leading by example, by actually learning, by becoming. Look, I, I was very bad at math at school, um, but I was bad at everything except English. But I was bad at everything because I, I had ADHD. I just wasn't interested in, you know, it, like the, the normal educational path. I was reading a lot of books every, every week. I remember I was talking to my best friend. She said, like, the night before our exam, you were sitting, you were reading Albert Camus. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and I'm like, uh, you know, that was like the kind of character. But, but the issue is, the problem is that, you know, we need to lead by example. But if I wasn't good at math, you know, but now I'm teaching myself linear algebra and I'm taking courses to teach myself Python, not because I want to be a coder, but because when I want to hire people, I want to be able to speak to them from a place of genuine understanding of what I want from them to achieve. Now, I have read probably over a hundred books on machine learning and artificial intelligence. So I, on a conceptual level, I fully understand, right? But it, I get to a point that it's no longer enough to just read about it conceptually. I need to actually do the math. I need to actually uh, get my hands dirty and yeah. learn to code. So yeah. if you're a, a head of diversity in uh, you know, bringing you know, machine learning, et cetera, you need to be learning those things. You can't be leading that. You know, you need to be learned. So this is what I said to the women in one of our sessions. I said that I'm very bad at jokes, but basically it goes down to, uh, it comes down to, there's this joke about um, this woman used to 
uh, th there was this old woman who kept praying to God to win the lottery, right? And, and then she was really bitter that she wasn't winning the lottery. And then eventually God got tired of it and said, can you please do me a favor and meet me halfway and actually buy a lottery ticket? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Right? I like that. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, and I think this is the best, this joke, and I'm going to say it in everything from now on. Anytime women say, why don't we have more women in technology? Because we are not having enough women actually learning it. You know, I'm looking at the, the list of people who are signing up to our platform. A fraction of them are engineers and coders, a fraction. Mm -hmm. and if we don't have a big enough pool, I think if you are a woman who can code, who is really good at, you know, understanding the technical sides, you are gonna get opportunities. So don't sit there telling me that you're not getting it, right? And that, that really uh, upsets me because I'm like, we need to stop this diversity uh, conversation because there would be diversity if there were enough women doing it. Yeah. And, and maybe it is a very strong opinion. Maybe it will upset lots of people, but, but no, please don't shout at me. I'm like, like I really want to help. <laughs> it's true though, because I do think as well that with, um, I've done some stuff in schools and I've spoken to some young girls and the thing that's a little bit disheartening for me and obviously I'm not of the generation when I was young we didn't have Instagram we didn't have Facebook but one thing that strikes me is they're more interested in being Instagram influencers and YouTubers than they are about going into engineering or maths or whatever right and and I think it's partially our fault, actually, because one thing that the YouTubers and the Instagrammers have done is they've glamorized and really sold what they do for a living. And then on the technical side, the engineering side, we haven't done that. We haven't gone, look yeah. how great it is. Look at mm -hmm. me enjoying my life and my work. And can you really blame yeah, them for really being drawn? It's a marketing campaign that we are not winning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things that I would like to change. This is the, uh, when I say we would like to, it's not enough, we need to do it. And I do, and I'm, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing, right? Building the platform, all that stuff. Um, I like really, I think, for example, uh, Lex Friedman, you probably know Lex Friedman. Um, he's got an amazing podcast. And, uh, you know, he's, I think he's done a lot for um, popularizing the concept of being a coder, being a, a, an engineer. And, and we need more people doing it and we need more women doing it, you mm -hmm. know? So um, that's why I'm building this platform. And I really want to help women who are um, engineers, software developers, you know, uh, in, in the heart of technology, in STEM, in science, all that, uh, you know, all the, all the areas that are more male dominated. If, if I see women that are doing well in that, that can actually code, that can actually, you know, um, make uh, uh, make something, create something, you know, not just not just sit there and demand that there would be more diversity. When I see people like that, I want to do everything I can to help them. And, you know, that's the whole point of this platform you're building. So um, I, I'm hoping that the platform for women in business and technology, which we're calling Fempeak, I'm hoping to do, you know, what I want to do is to do everything in my power to make it as attractive as Instagram, if not more, for women to see, look, there is more to life. And, and in a way, I'm kind of, <clears throat> I, I don't want to say, obviously, the COVID 
has been the COVID-19 has been a, a disaster for so many people and you know it's, it's um, myself included it's been very difficult but actually during this time I made a whole I created a whole bit new business and you know and, and this platform right and I actually used and and while still running my other business so from from that perspective in in some ways COVID has actually maybe made it possible for us to get beyond this see because if if girls can't go out and wear um you know uh, to to show off the, the um designer clothing the way that they used to you know and they are confined to their homes i'm hoping maybe that will encourage more women to think what else is there you know yeah it may not i don't know but the allure of um the likes of TikTok and and you know this kind of you know, Instagram, all that stuff. The the allure of that is is so strong mm. that um and it's because because it taps into your most primary uh you know faculties as a human, which yeah. is the sex and the you know the um the sexual attraction, right? Because it, it, they know they know how to stimulate it by showing you attractive men and women especially women you know that then you want to be one of those you want to be um, you know desired in that way yeah uh, and what what it takes is always going to be a fight between these two because what it takes is the uh, ability to use critical thinking to say i'm going to look beyond that there is something deeper and to be attracted to that deeper thing um so we need to innovate. And this is one of the things that I'm really working on with this new platform is a great example of this is how, uh, for example, Elon Musk, you know, he, he never wanted, he, I, I think he's so, uh, he is so clever because you know, what he really wanted to do was to create a battery company. So what did he did, you know, a, a battery and a computer computer, right? And, and what he did, he put, it on four wheels, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and made it into something that it suddenly made it so attractive, right? And and enabled him to uh, raise the kind of capital and uh, to be able to do what he really wants to do, which is explore, uh, you know, the outer space. And yeah, and I think he's and, a good and, example because I think actually, you know, whether you like him or hate him, one thing everyone has to I think agree. He's amazing. <laughs> is that he's awesome at making something sexy that wasn't sexy mm -hmm. you know yeah and, and that's what we need to do and that's exactly right? what we need to do because now yes. everyone's like oh spacex is amazing look at spacex look at them launching these rockets tesla's really cool and he made it sexy sold what is essentially engineering and technology science he sold that to the masses and people bought into it and that's what we are not doing encouraging people into tech we are not making it Women, sexy yes. and we're not making it attractive yeah and that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna you know what i want to be the jennifer lopez of tech <laughs> <laughs> i like that i like that i think that works you know that's what we need to do right right that's why you know like people tell me sometimes why do you care about looking good i said because it's important you know because it's like like it helps to be you need to have something that if, if I looked, you know, like really shabby and then people would look at that and say like, 
do I really want to be like her? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, you know, like because we live in this world that where people, uh, their their brains in their is in their eyes, because then there's no criticism of that because biologically we are attuned to that. So mm-hmm. what we need to do is to show the image of women in technology in a way that's desirable. Yeah. you know in a in a way that's like you know that's what i want to do with fempeak with the with the think tank for business women in business technology to make technology sexy for women you know and and, and do exactly what elon musk did with with his um, battery company <laughs> battery on four wheels <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's i'm i'm sure it will take off and i think you're the right person to do it because i think you understand marketing and i think what we probably needed all along was people who understood branding and marketing doing it, not necessarily the people who weren't either in tech and just sort of, you know, passionately explored it, but weren't really, you know, weren't really having the expertise to do it. But unfortunately we've run out of time because obviously this is something we yeah, can probably discuss for hours. Yes, um, definitely. Where's the best place for people to follow you and keep up to date with what you're doing and the platform and other things? Platform will have been launched fempeak.ai that's f-e-m uh, female peak performance right so fempeak.ai uh, uh, is the platform and i'm hoping that uh, that will be the center place that we will be able to explore everything uh, other than that uh, just google somi Ariane. all of my social media channels come up um, so you can it's always at somi Ariane on every channel including now I'm on Clubhouse too. Trying and to go and check out her YouTube videos. There is a lot of YouTube videos, um, but yes. they are all excellent and definitely. And my podcast, of course. And your yeah. podcast. But I'll link to all of that in the description. So if you want to go and check them out, check the links in the description. And don't forget to like and subscribe to this episode in order to not miss any of the future ones. Thank you so much for coming, Somi. I really, really appreciate it. It's been an awesome chat. Great to speak Thank to you. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thank Bye. you. Bye.